If you have a Bible today or an iPhone or an iPad, let's look at Galatians 3.13 to start off. I'm in a series called Simply Jesus. I really like this title because in simplicity, that's what we need to look for. We need to keep things simple. And I think we need a continual greater understanding of what Jesus has done for us past tense. And there are five areas. I'm not quite sure if I'll get through all five because I don't want to rush this because a lot of people today are not here or in and out and people that are traveling and et cetera, et cetera. And so I want to make sure that I cover this. I also get to a point now in my teaching and ministering time that I don't want to be flying through material just to be flying through it. Even though there's so many things, people ask me constantly, what are you preparing or what are you speaking on? The issue is not what to speak on. The issue is what not to speak on because there's so much to speak on. <laughs> so you have to really, I come to this holy area, as I call it, the many pastors or preachers call it the holy desk. But I come here, you know, asking the Lord, what do I not say? And uh, because that's the most important thing is I want to say what I'm supposed to say. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have some beautiful things. First of all, I want to talk about how he's our redeemer. And Galatians 3.13 sort of captures the entire Bible when it says in Galatians 3.13, listen to this. It says, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, this is referring to the Old Testament, the law of the Old Testament. And you can find the law outlined in the book of Deuteronomy and all this... Um, demands. But notice what it says here. He says he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, or I like to say it like this. He's redeemed us from the curse in this world. You know, there's a curse in this world of sin and sickness and everything satanic that I look at and see, and we all see with all the tragedy, with all the questions and all the things that happen. You know, Satan is 24 hours a day, seven days a week doing what he, you know, his agenda of killing, stealing, and destroying. But the beautiful thing about our Lord Jesus Christ is that he redeemed you and I from the curse that Adam, you know, gave when he gave the garden situation over to the enemy, Satan, in Genesis, and caused this curse to come in the earth. Well, Jesus, on his death at the cross, redeemed you and I from the curse. Now, we're in this world, and we have to deal with things in this world, ladies and gentlemen, and it's hard because you see the curse, and I know there's two kinds of people out there. There is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then there's the unbeliever. And even though the believers have times of tragedy, times of difficult times they have to go through, the believer has this promise that Jesus has redeemed us. You say, well, Pastor Brian, it doesn't seem like sometimes that we're redeemed from it. Oh, yes, we are. We're redeemed from it. And you would not want to be an unbeliever in this world. Life is never good for men. And the moment that they pass out of that body, it is a horrible thing. You know, uh, I have mentioned, of course, the people that have, you know, in my life that have gone on to be with the Lord of late. And, but one of the things about each and, each and every single one of them, the uniqueness, especially uh, recently, that I've noticed is that not a single one of them died in any kind of anxiety or anguish. Every single person that's connected to my life that has passed away recently died in the peace of God. As a matter of fact, it's been commented by everyone, every, every, every person, even my mother this week was talking about my dad's homecoming. She brought it up, not necessarily I did, but she did talking about how peaceful my dad was. He just simply went to sleep or simply passed. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of this world. And the curse of this world is sin, sickness, and everything satanic. And I love what it says here. It says, he has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us. That is the beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior. He paid the price. 
And it goes on to say in the rest of this verse, it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or everyone who hangs on the cross. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? Well, over the book of Hebrews, if you've never read the book of Hebrews, I'd encourage you. But in Hebrews 9.12, I want to talk or show you something here very interesting. Hebrews 9.12, notice what it says here. Hebrews 9.12, listen to this, talking about our Lord Jesus. In verse 11, it says, but Jesus came as a high priest of good things to come with the, the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made of hands, that is not of this creation, talking about who he is. But here's the key in verse 12. Not with blood, the blood of goats and calves, referring to the sacrifices in the Old Testament, but listen to what it says, but with his own blood. Everybody say with his own blood. Come on, one more time. With his own blood. In the words of Sergeant Carter, I can't hear you in his, what? One more time. There you go. You got it. In his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once and for all. Now, remember, this is not you. This is him. It says he, with his own blood, entered into the most holy place once and for all. That means it's settled. Having obtained what? What's that word? Eternal redemption for you and I. And it was paid for 2,000 plus years ago. You know, just some points I want to bring to your attention. Number one is Jesus has redeemed us or made us free. Redemption is another word for freedom, or freedom is another word for redemption. He said he's made us free from the law and from the things of sin, sickness, and everything satanic. Now, we have to stand against those things. Again, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but our redemption is eternal. Notice what Jesus has already done for us past tense. He's redeemed you and I past tense, and that redemption is forever, ladies and gentlemen. I am so thankful for that redemption. Our redemption also is ours now. It doesn't just belong to us when we get to heaven. I was sort of taught in the denominational church that, you know, when we all get to heaven, we used to sing this song, and it's him. Great song, when we all get to heaven, what a glorious time it'll be, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's true, but what about the rotten here and now? <laughs> what about life that you're facing? You know, maybe it's good in here right now, and I tell you, I love being assembled together as the body of Christ. You know, again, it's important that you and I come together as the family of God. The, the events we have called family nights or family events, uh, they're not designed just to simply have a good time. They're also designed to have unity and a design for a time of us being together and strengthening one another, especially our times now of having these opportunities on the first Wednesday night to pray together to encourage one another. Even though it may just be an hour, I like to call it an hour of power that will change your life forever because you're dealing with eternal things. You're seeking an eternal God that has already provided for you and our redemption and freedom. In this life right now, everybody say in this life right now. In this life right now, not just for heaven. Hey, and over in Romans chapter 10, you know, how do we receive this? Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't read Hebrews 9, 12 yet. I'm so excited I was moving on. I got to finish it. It says this, for if blood in, in verse number 13, for if blood in, for the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer are sprinkling, the unclean sacrifices, hold on, yeah. It says in verse 12, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer are sprinkling, the unclean satisfies for the purging of the purifying of the flesh. Look at verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself up without, without spot to God to cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? The reason I added that on there is how much more is the blood of Jesus a value and an added 
part of your life, and that's for right now. And it says to cleanse your consciousness of dead works. Again, this is not referring to heaven. This is referring to right now. This is the life that you and I live right now. Again, we have to please be sensitive and stay away from waiting for everything, you know, when we get to heaven. Heaven is on the earth right now. As a matter of fact, the famous Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray the kingdom of God come and the perfect will of God be done where? On where? On earth as it is in where? In heaven. Let me ask you, is there sin? Is there sickness? Is there satanicness? in heaven? Is there the federal government in heaven? <laughs> Everybody says, thank God. No, that's right. That's exactly right. That there's only, listen, those beautiful things in heaven should be on the earth. What is our job? Our job is to enforce those things. But how do we do that? That's the real question. How do you do this, Pastor Brian? How do I live this life? Well, I'm so glad you were thinking that this morning. I think I have an answer. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let me just show you something real quick. The apostle Paul Many refer to this as the answer for what I'm talking about, but a lot of people go to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and they think this is just for salvation only. Yes, salvation is the beginning. Everybody say beginning. But it's not the ending. Your words and believing in your heart is just the journey, see the beginning of the journey of your walk with the Lord, not just, you know, something you do at the very beginning. It's the continued journey. It says in Romans 10, 9, notice what it says. It says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, notice this, and with the mouth, everybody say the mouth, the mouth, one more time. The mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, yes, that's talking about being born again. That's talking about receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. However, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring to your attention, it says the word salvation, which means deliverance and freedom. Yes, that's eternal. But also with the confession of the mouth, there's also freedom and deliverance. Something very strong on my heart, a lot of things are very strong on my heart, but this particular message in this particular moment here is the guarding of our words, what we say. We have to be very sensitive to what we say and what we speak. I mean, serious. I'm serious. Words are powerful. Yo, Pastor Brian, words are not powerful. I can just say whatever I want to. No, words are very powerful. Words are very, very powerful. And words are powerful in our part of our relationship with the Lord. Not just, you know, funny things like, you know, saying words and things come to pass. Like, uh, I have to share this, Danita, our precious Danita DeLeon. She, ter- she has the story about her cat. Um, there was, she called that cat a certain name. I forgot. What was that cat's name you used to call him? What? Fart, fart. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Well, well, anyway, she what she was implying was in a joke, but that cat would have what gas, right? Anyway, so, but anyway, she changed the name to her cat. You say, Pastor Brian, that's silly. That just doesn't happen like that. Yes, it does. You have to be careful calling things that in, into existence. And your words are powerful. You say, oh, that's just joking. You know, I just whatever. No, we, we have to really know that if our mouth will lead us into salvation, Watch this. Our mouth will also lead us into freedom and redemption. Hello, listen to what I just said. If our mouth will lead us into salvation, our mouth can lead us into freedom and redemption. So we have to guard our words and use the confession of our mouth. And not just, you know, going around guarding your words where you don't say anything, of course, but being sensitive that you don't repeat phrases that are contrary to the word of God, like the word I can't. 
and all those kind of phrases in there. You can do all things through Jesus Christ. You can know the will of God. You can understand God's pathway for your life. You can understand things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, things sometimes seem very confusing. Sometimes things seem very oppressive. But however, there's freedom in our Lord. There's peace in him. Let me say this to you. This is not in my notes. But there is a joy in believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. I don't have all the answers to life, and neither do you. But I tell you what, I have a joy on this journey of faith. Our dear friend Josh and Amy are here. They just went through the major transition of their life. I mean, they went from having this job security, and man, I saw the security they had as a job situation. It's pretty secure. Then all of a sudden, it changed in one afternoon, or one day, excuse me. And now they're on a different journey. And it's a journey of faith. And it's a journey of literally step-by-step trusting God. But as I've encouraged them recently and will continue to encourage them, hey, it's all right to trust the Lord. I would rather trust him than trust myself. And, you know, maybe I don't understand all the answers, but that's the beauty of trusting our Redeemer, that he's already redeemed us from the curse of failure. And the evil, you may think you're going through failure right now and I can't get out of this trap or get out of this hole. Yes, you can with the Lord and he'll walk you through it. And what Satan meant is to destroy you could be the very thing that God turns around in your life to be the victory in your life. I mean, seriously. Yes, the way you have to look at it and the way you have to approach it and you need to align your words to it. And if somebody asks you how you're doing in that very oppressive situation, you just say, you know what? I'm trusting the Lord. I'm looking to his wisdom. And if Jesus Christ is Lord, then nothing and no one's going to be able to defeat me because my faith is not in me, but in him. That's pretty good preaching this morning. I have to give myself an amen myself. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. Jesus is our new birth. And we don't talk a lot about the new birth other than the salvation, but we got to remember something very special happened to you and I the moment you were born again. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a very classic scripture, but sometimes misunderstood in this one principle, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Notice what it says here. It says that, therefore, if any person's in Jesus Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away, but hold, all things have become new. Let me give you another translation of this. It says, therefore, if any person's in Jesus, he or she is a new creation, Right? But watch this, all things are passing away and all things are becoming new. One translation says that, and it also implies that. All things are passing away. All things are becoming new. And that means as a believer, you wake up every day, you wake up every week, and you can wake up every moment of your life saying, you know what, those old things are passing away. Those new things are set before me and they're coming to me. And by the way, those people who have gone on to be with the Lord that we miss, guess what? Every day you wake up, you're one day closer. Amy Moore, you're one day closer to being with your mother again. But not right now. (laughs) But you will be one day. And the beautiful part of heaven will be there forever. I can't wait for you to meet my dad. You tell you what, you're going to like him. He's, he's a great guy, won't be cussing in heaven. It'll be awesome, all right, okay? He was, a, he was a great guy. I mean, he used his language a little bluntly, okay? I'll never forget one time I was in there. I was home actually traveling. This is my traveling days, and he's sitting there in his famous chair in the living room. He's studying the Bible. He's doing his Sunday school lesson. I said, Daddy, what you studying? He said, I'm studying the book of Acts. I said, awesome, Daddy. That's awesome. That's a great book. He said, sure is. And he just went right back to studying. About 30 minutes, I came back in there. He looked at me and said, son, I got to tell you something. I said, what's that, Daddy? Man, that Apostle Paul, he is one hell of a guy. (laughs) I said, absolutely, Daddy. Absolutely. 
His first words about Sheila were this. She has the most beautiful damn teeth I've ever seen in my life. I said, well, Daddy, we could use a lot of other words to describe Sheila, but I'll, we'll go with that one. Okay. But anyway, my point with all that is old things have passed away in my daddy's life and all things are new. He'll wait till you see him. He was a man's man. He was the John Wayne in my life originally, and uh, his words now are the correct words. But that's the beauty of us as eternal beings in Jesus. Now, those people that don't have eternal life, woo, mercy. They're gone forever waiting on the white throne judgment. I just want to encourage you today. You got a friend or a loved one. Listen, they were born again and they lived in the Lord while they were here on the earth. They're still alive. We got eternal life inside of us. We're new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternity is inside of you and I, and we are not living in just now. We are living forever because of him. Just some things about the power of the new birth. Number one is we got the nature of God on the inside of us. Do you know that? The very life of God is in, inside you and I. I tell you, that's exciting to me. Number two, we have the very spirit of the living God. Never, 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 never pray that prayer, Lord, be with me. I know what you're saying by praying that, but you don't have to pray that. He's with you. We have the spirit of God. We have the new eternal life on the inside of us. Isn't that awesome? There's actually a part of heaven inside of you. Isn't that great? And I I think that's powerful to me. And And finally, our salvation is complete, but the renewing of our minds is continual. You got to keep renewing this mind. You got to keep eliminating what they call that stinking thinking as well as that stinking saying and that irreverent words you might be having out of your mouth. I'm not talking about profanity, ladies and gentlemen, please. We got to be beyond that. I'm talking about cursing your life or cursing, you know, just, just saying things you shouldn't be saying. Saying things, you know, that go contrary to the word of God and the life of God. Number three, this is probably the most important thing we need to be looking at. Number one, Jesus is our redemption. He is the new birth, and that new birth is powerful. And that Jesus is our right standing with God. This is such a needed revelation in churches today, ladies and gentlemen. The righteousness of God. Notice what it says in verse 21. It said, Jesus, God, he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. When you get to heaven, will you be righteous then? Yes, but you're righteous now. You are righteous because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not sinners saved by grace. Yes, but Pastor Brian, that's what I was taught. I was taught that too. Yes, we were sinners, <clears throat> excuse me, but we've been saved by grace. I'm no longer a practicing sinner. At 19 years old, yes, I had, you know, looking back, I was not the righteousness of God. On October the 16th, 1983, I became the righteousness of God, and I am not a sinner anymore. And again, I just went to my 40th high school reunion, and I'm telling you what, people know that they know that they know. And I'm not bragging on me, I'm sure bragging on Jesus Christ. They know that I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Maybe they may not know what that is, but they know that I've been born again. They see it. Many of them said, physically, I am not the same physical person that I was in high school. Can you believe that? I mean, yes, I lost my hair, whatever, but I mean, physically, I'm still the same person. But even point, people told me, Brian, you don't, there's a different Brian Jacobs. And oh, when they said that, man, I went right into my little speech about the Lord. I mean, you know, you know me, I got it in there. Well, yeah, I said, on October the 16th, 1983, and they looked at me like a calf at a new gate. Like, wow, what happened to you? And some of them were believers and they knew that. Some of them that were not believers, 
knew that there'd be a change and they couldn't deny it. That's the beautiful thing about the righteousness of God. It changes you and I. And by the way, a righteous person belongs to the Lord and a righteous person carries power and authority in this earth. He said, Pastor Brian, I'm just a sinner. No, you're the child of the living God. We sang it today. We sing it every Sunday here. And we talk about the songs that we sing, the things that we proclaim about being a child of God. That doesn't mean you're a child of God when you go to heaven, only you're a child of God right here. There are two kinds of people in the earth. Remember, they're the unbeliever and the believer. And thank God we're the believers. Listen to this. Righteousness, in my opinion, is the, is the goodness of God working in our lives. Let's turn over to, well, they'll show it on the screen. Turn to James chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Watch this. Now, this is powerful. This is about Elijah. And you say, well, that's Elijah. That's not about me. Hold on. Now, hold on. It says, Elijah, watch this, was a human being with a nature just as we have. Very interesting. How about that? Didn't say he was special and, and unique and we couldn't relate to him. He said he was a human being, or he said he had nature like we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And watch this. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Thank God Elijah doesn't live in Texas anymore. Okay, hallelujah. <laughs> but look what Elijah did, though, in verse 18. And then he what? Everybody said he prayed. Everybody say he prayed. He prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced his crops as usual. Why did this happen? Because Elijah was a man in right standing with God. And by the way, if Elijah can be a man of right standing with God under the Old Testament without Jesus, how much more can you and I be in the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus in the New Testament, not based on our actions, even though actions are important? We have this righteous right to pray and seek the Lord and ask him for things. This past Wednesday night during our prayer time, there was, and I mentioned it, and I've been praying it, and been encouraging others that it would rain. We need rain, we need rain, we need more rain. But that next day it rained and it rained beautifully at my house. Maybe it didn't at your house. Maybe you didn't pray enough. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I'm saying, but we can pray more about the rain. Instead of cursing the weather and saying it's getting bad and worse, start speaking to the weather. You say, Pastor Brian, we don't have any authority to speak to the weather. Don't even get me started on that, okay? Because yes, we can speak to the weather. Listen, let's go back to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now, don't lose me. We've just got a couple more minutes there. If you can speak words that can create your eternal salvation, could you not create words to, to bring the righteousness of God or right things into your life? Now, seriously, I know religious people who don't like that. They think we are nothing and nobodies. But listen, we are not nothings and nobodies based on the Lord Jesus Christ. In your works, in your flesh, you're nothing. You can accomplish certain things and do certain things in your life and, and, and aspire to what we call greatness. But I'm talking about for eternal perspective, when you have God on the inside of you, you have all the greatness you'll ever need in this life. And ladies and gentlemen, righteousness is the goodness of God in our lives right now. He loves you and I. He doesn't want pain. He doesn't want pressure. He doesn't want these things in your life. Is there a fight for these things to be in your life? You better believe it. Is there a working in your flesh to purge out some things that shouldn't be there? Absolutely. And that will never escape you to the moment you're going to be with him. And again, we're not looking for a hole in the ground. We're looking for a hole in the sky, right? And that's where we're living our lives here at Metroplex Family Church. But you and I are righteous people. And righteous people can do righteous things. 
and righteous things change people's lives. Like Elijah changed the course of that time frame. And you and I can do that too if we pray and believe God. Again, you know, to me, I speak Psalm 91 over my house, over my cars, over my children, my family. Of course, my wife, Sheila, and over this church family and over this building. Does that mean that I leave the doors open? No. Does that believe that I just live haphazardly? No. We do our part, but yet at the same time, I trust God to do his part and to, and to honor the covenant that I have with him, not through my works, but through the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I just want you to know how valuable you are to the Lord and how needed you are in the days ahead. You were born in these end times for a divine purpose. If he had you born in the Civil War, that's great. But he had you born right now for the time that's before us. And that righteousness, that goodness of God needs to come through your life to others. And he's given you, as I'm getting ready to sort of close this and we'll pick it up later. He's given you one of the greatest gifts he could ever give you other than Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Look what happens in John 14. Check this out. This is more teaching and more things that we're going to be sharing in the days ahead about the Spirit of God being inside of you. But briefly, I just want to share this. In John 14, these are Jesus' words, not mine. He says this in John 14, 25 and 27. Listen to this. This is powerful. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. This is talking to the disciples and talking about the gift that was given to you and I through the born-again experience, the, the Holy Spirit coming into our life. He says, these things I have spoken to you while be present to you, but when the Helper or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? Teach you all things. Notice that phrase, the Spirit of God will what? Teach you. He will bring to remembrance all things that is said to you. So there's, there's things there. He will lead us. He will teach us. He will guide us. And notice what it says says here in verse number 27. I love this in verse 27. Check this out. My peace I leave with you, not the peace, uh, my peace I give to you. Look at that phrase again, ladies and gentlemen. Watch it. Peace I, live with, I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not the world's peace that I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because of the peace of God. Whatever you're facing in this time right now as we're talking this morning in this message or wherever you're watching at whatever time, I just want to encourage you. There is a peace in the Lord Jesus Christ that passes all understanding. And that peace is available to you and I. Turn to Colossians. All right, excuse me. They'll show it in Colossians chapter number, uh, th Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified Bible. I am so thankful for our team. They do such an excellent job in getting these scriptures up here not only with me, but with others. I'm very thankful because, again, we're going through a lot of scriptures today, and I am endeavoring to slow things down. But anyway, I'm here to brag on Jesus' goodness and what he's provided for us, and I could not help but not leave this one out. This is so beautiful. It says, let the peace, soul harmony, this is from the Amplified, excuse me. It says, let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who's it come from? It comes from Jesus, okay? It says, what, what are we supposed to do? Let this rule or act as an umpire continually. How about that? When we watch our sports, especially in football, those little men and some women now that run around those black and white uniforms, they're the umpires. And they may be little in statue, but they rule that field, okay? And they toss them big boys out of the side, all right? <laughs> they're the umpires. Well, guess what? We have an umpire in our life. What does it say? Let the peace of God rule and act as an umpire continually settling in your hearts, deciding, watch this, with finality, all the questions. Everybody say all the questions. 
What questions are going through your mind right now? What questions maybe you left out at the car, but you put them aside as you came in today about next week, about August, about et cetera, et cetera. Well, all those questions, look at it, it says, I love this, deciding and settling finality, all these questions that arise in your mind, that peaceful state, oh, I love that. That peaceful state is a member of Jesus' body. We're called to live, being thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. Oh my goodness, I am so thankful for that peace. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, that just brings such comfort to me. It's not the peace of what I can reason. It's not the peace of what I can do. It's the peace of God. And I just pray for you this morning. And, for, and again, I, I believe God with you continually, you to walk in that peace that passes all understanding. That peace that just absolutely leads God's and directs your life. Hey, one last point and one last thing. And again, I know this is a subject within itself, so please forgive me. But I, I know that Jesus has not only given us the Holy Spirit, but he has given us authority in his name. And this is, I, I, we just got a couple more minutes here. This is very controversial. A lot of people do not believe we have any authority as believers. And I, I just beg to differ because I believe that we've been authorized, deputized, if you allow me to say that, to use the name of Jesus, not as a, you know, just a, you know, flippant way, as they say in the South, but in a respectful, honorable way to control our lives and bring order into our lives through that name. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Philippians 2. And, and the pair, just bear with me, just, just a couple more minutes. Listen, I want you to get this. Please, this is so important. As a pastor, as a leader, and all that you're going through, I think you need to have this understanding, especially in what you may be facing. Um, Philippians chapter 2. Notice what it says in verse number 9. Philippians 2, 9. This is so important, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, if you've never read the Gospels recently and Ephesians and Philippians and these books by Paul, listen, get into this because this gives you a revelation of who we are. Philippians 2, 9, 11. Watch this now. Watch this. Stay closely with me as we get to, to wrap this up. But this is important. It says, verse 9, it says, God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name that's above every name. So I've got a question for you. What's that thing in your life, that name of that thing that's giving you the hardest? Maybe it's a lack of money. Maybe it's a lack of peace. Maybe it's a lack of wisdom. Maybe it is a sickness or disease. Whatever that name is of that situation, what has God done? He's exalted the name of Jesus and your Lord and Savior above that name. Isn't that good news today? The name of Jesus, but you've got to speak the name of Jesus. We've got to exercise that right and privilege that you and I have. A lot of churches just want you to come sit and receive and then go out and have maybe a Bible study and sort of read the Bible and, you know, go through life and get ready to go to heaven when you die. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to just read the Bible. I want you to receive the Bible. And then also, I want you to live the Bible, and I want you to be like him. You say, well, I'm a woman. How can I be like a man? You know what I'm talking about. Be the person you're called to be in him. I, that's what I'm doing. Well, Pastor Brian, you're, you're in the ministry. Listen, I am a believer first, a minister second. As a matter of fact, let me rephrase that. I am a child of God first, a husband second, a father third, a family member fourth, and then I'm a pastor. So let's get the priority right. So what's my first obligation in this life is to honor him. I want to honor him. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget when I was working in Alabama at the state of Alabama, I said, Lord, if you call me into government and you want me to be in government the rest of my life, I will be the best government official you've ever had to the glory of you. Even if you call me to run for state senator, governor, and president of the United States, which my dad wanted me to do. And I'm like, dad, that's a big thing to do. He said, but you can do it. You can do it. I said, well, I think I've got a calling on my life, but not that. But I was willing at that time to submit to that. Can you imagine me praying for president of the United States? Man, gas would be a dollar. Holiday. 
hallelujah, groceries would be $25 and you'd be all right, all right. <laughs> President Brian Jacobs, I'd have made everything right. And man, we'd had the biggest wall in Mexico you ever seen in your life. <laughs> Why? No, but God, because of politics. No, 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 no. Because if you want to come to America, come the right way. If you come the right way, that'll be the best way. And when you come the right way, we all want to be Americans together, right? That's the reason for it. Not because of politics. We just want to do things the right way. And the right way is the best way. And Jesus is the best way. And the best way is for you and I to exercise our God-given right to his name. And by the way, that's the beauty of what I'm talking about. Forget all the politics aside. Listen, I'll never forget what Billy Graham said when somebody asked him if he should run for president many years ago. He said, why step down? How about that? I like that. Why should I step down? I have the greatest calling upon my life, and that's the way I feel. And by the way, we want the best for our, our government leaders to honor God in all that they do. But let me continue on. Notice what it says in verse number 10. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth. Whose name do they bow to? The name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is Lord. It says that every tongue, in verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of Father to the glory of the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, we have authority in that name. There's no other name greater than the name of Jesus. We're authorized to use that name and everything demonic must submit to the name of Jesus. And I'm saying, no, you cannot control people. You cannot manipulate people. Please not. That's not what I'm saying today as I close. I'm just saying this as we close this service. Romans chapter five, verse 17. Notice what it says. This is the entire gospel summarized in one statement and bragging on our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 17. I'm just adding this to the end, but I just, this is where we need to live and where we want to live in the simplicity of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, through for one man's offense, death reigned. That's talking about Adam. Through the one. But it says, much more to those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift. Everybody say gift. The gift, one more time, and the gift of righteousness all these things I've talked about this morning in this message, the gift of redemption, the gift of the new birth, the gift of this righteousness, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the authority we have as a believer. Notice what it says, for if by one man's offense, talking about what happened through Adam and Genesis all the way to the book of Matthew and the fulfillment of the New Testament, if one man's offense, death reigned through one, much more those who receive, that's you and I, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, notice that, it's a gift, it's not a work. The gift of righteousness will reign where? And where? I can't hear you. <laughs> Come on now, and where? In life. It didn't say in heaven. Come on, think about it with me as we close now. It didn't say in heaven. You've got to grab this now. Get it with me. Please be on the same track with me. It says that we will reign in where? In this life. See yourself. See yourself not as a victim, but a victor in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Brian, that's so hard to do right now. No, it's not based on who you are in him. It's not. And I want to encourage you that we can and we should and we can live this life. It is a fight of faith. Is it easy? No, it's not easy, but it's worthy of its work. Champions are being made this summer right now in football camps across America, but they're not receiving their crown to the end of this year or next year. But I'm telling you what, the work is happening right now and they're paying the price. Young men are paying the price because they either want to win a college national championship or they want to win a Super Bowl next year. 
and they're paying a price. Well, let me tell you something. We got something far greater than a championship in sports that's ahead of you and I, the, the winning of life. And when you win in life, you affect others. And I want to be able to see your life in this beautiful, powerful relationship with Jesus at its simplicity. But remember what I started about last week. This is my favorite quote from Albert Einstein. And that is, in the middle of complexity, search for simplicity. Or as he truly said, in the middle of complexity, define simplicity. And I just want to define a simple Jesus in your life. If your relationship with the Lord is complex or religious or just sort of into the place where it's not healthy, then just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, let's all say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I submit to you. I give you my life in every single area. I ask you to forgive me for anything in my life that dishonors you, especially my words. Help me from this moment forward to glorify you, to honor you, and to proclaim your name in every area of my life. I look to your wisdom, and I thank you right now for the Holy Spirit and the peace of God to lead me, to guide me, to direct me, to show me what to do, and I'll res respond and react and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me as a form of commitment, let's just live that commitment out as we transition and move forward from this month of July into awesome August. If you need anything, please contact us at metroplexfamilychurch.com. Let's pray for each other this week. I'm going to the great state of Oklahoma, then on to the great state of Alabama. Jonathan will be here next Sunday. I will be either taking my mother to church or Church of the Highlands. I'm still trying to get my mother to First Baptist Church where she needs to go. Uh, I think that's important for her to get back into a local church. So I'm working on that. If not, I've been asked to come to Church of the Highlands in Sylacauga, Alabama. So bear with me. Jonathan will be here, but I need to go to this FCF conference and... Um, also, I need to go to Alabama and uh, work on that family farm and get those things in order. And so uh, I appreciate your prayers for me and your love for me and the support of Sheila. And of course, please, please do me a favor and support Jonathan. Jonathan's a precious gift and pray for him. He's transitioning jobs this week as he goes to leaving Burleson ISD to Joshua. And uh, Gene Hall would know about all those transitions in school, but it's a good for him. Actually, since he's transitioned, he's seemed like Jonathan's a different man. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on him being in that school environment, like any, any teacher that we, oh my goodness, teachers are heroes. The things they face, of course, I say that respectfully because everybody in my family were teachers. <laughs> so I'm, pre I'm pretty fond of teachers personally because I have a fa whole family of teachers. Uh, well, two, two were doctors, but they were doctors, medical doctors, but they were teaching doctors. And so I'm very partial to the educational family. But my, all I know is there's grace for the place. Remember that. There's the grace for the place that God's called you. As Robert comes, we want to pray for Jonathan, these teachers that are holding the reins to, to impact our children. I thank God for those in education. I thank God for those in all forms of society, especially in the medical community. And so, as a matter of fact, let's just pray for them right now as Robert comes up. Come on up, Robert. 
in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray right now for those precious educators that are getting ready to transition back to school. And Lord, we know that our schools have a lot of issues as well as our medical community. But right now, we're just thanking you right now for all those in our church family in education, for those in our church family in the medical community. And and even though in all our business employers here and employees, I just again speak your peace over every person. I'm just thanking you, Lord, that you lead God direct. I'm thanking you for supernatural protection. Also, I'm thanking you right now for promotion. That when you close the door, you open the door. Like for Jonathan, you've done for him. Like you've done for Josh and Amy Lehu. Like you've done for others. Again, I want to thank you for the great work you're doing in our lives. That your grace and your peace is more than enough. And we speak that over precious Barbara Yancey today. Her husband, Glenn, is here today just just seeking you as he loves his wife. And I want to thank you for bringing Barbara back to us like she was a couple weeks ago. Happy and healthy. In Jesus' name, we commit to you these things. Thanking you for your protection and thanking you for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you and appreciate you, church family. If I can be of any service to you, I'm a text or phone call away. You know that always. I'm here for you in Jesus' name.